My message today, I've entitled, Hold On to Tomorrow. Hold on to tomorrow. And by tomorrow, I mean the belief uh, that we can make some significant difference with our lives in the lives of others. In other words, our hopes and our dreams. Hold on to tomorrow. That belief that with our lives and the life God has given us, we can make a difference. A difference in the lives of those around us and in the world that we, that we live. There's many temptations that come to let go of our tomorrows. Uh, one temptation is fear of failure. And because of fear of failure, we, we can allow opportunities to pass us by. It could be an opportunity to share the gospel, an opportunity to step out in faith. It could be an opportunity to love somebody and get married. It could be an opportunity in employment or study. But fear of failure causes us at times, or at least is a temptation, to let go of tomorrow. It could be uh, challenges or problems that we face. And in 2020, the past year, every one of us have faced acute problems and challenges in the lives that we live. These are temptations to let go of tomorrow. It could be priorities that get mixed up, complacency that sets in. Maybe we found uh, an answer to prayer. Could be a job, a raise, could be a marriage. And as a result, our priorities get mixed up and we settle into complacency, and as a result, let go of our tomorrow, that belief that we have been called and chosen to make a difference in the world that we live, our hopes and our, and our dreams. It could be fatigue or weariness, that overwhelmed feeling and that feeling that nobody knows and nobody cares. These are temptations to let go of tomorrow. Maybe you face some of them, disappointments and rejections. They come to us all. We all feel disappointments. That's not, a, that's not the big issue. The big issue is when we allow the disappointment to take hold of us. Disappointments come to us all, but they're not meant to control us, to control our future. These are temptations to not hold on and to let go of our tomorrow. But if we are going to live God's dream for our lives, we must hold on to tomorrow. We must hold on to tomorrow. Luke chapter 9 and verse 62, it says, But Jesus said to them, or to him, No one, after putting his hand to the plow and looking back, is fit for the kingdom of God. Fit. The word fit in Hebrew means well-placed. Jesus isn't saying if you look back, if you take your hand off the plow, you're going to lose your salvation, that he won't love you anymore, and that you'll fall out of his favor. That's not the point. He's saying well-placed, well-placed in the kingdom for advancement, well-placed in the kingdom, well-placed in the family of God to make a difference. Look back simply means to get stuck in the past, to get stuck in the disappointment, to get stuck in the failure, to get stuck in the fear, to get stuck in priorities getting mixed up in complacency. It's, and again, it's not a sign that God's angry. or It just means well-placed. But I believe you're watching today, a participator today, because you have that inner desire through your spirit to be well-placed and to be moving forward, holding on to tomorrow, believing that God and God has chosen you to make a difference in your world. Maybe we can't change the whole world, but we can certainly change the world that we live in and the world that, we, that, that surrounds us, the people that we come in contact with. Hold on to tomorrow. Why hold on to tomorrow? Number one, the sun will rise tomorrow. Simple point, I know. But you see, Easter is coming up. At Easter, we remember Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection. 
You could say that the resurrection is God's new tomorrow for humanity. God's new tomorrow for you. Through Jesus, we believe that that which was dead comes to life. Maybe it comes to life. Maybe you have dead areas in your life. We believe for them to come alive again. That's a new tomorrow. God has many new tomorrows. Adam and Eve, they, they messed things up. They fell. But God planned in Christ a new tomorrow for humanity. And in Christ, God reconciled the world back to himself. That's a new tomorrow. But even more practically speaking, Peter in the scriptures, he let an opportunity pass him by. The great apostle Peter. But there was a time when he had an opportunity to stand up boldly for Christ, to declare his faith, to declare that he was a follower of Christ. But three times he let that opportunity pass him by. He could have gotten stuck in the past. He could have let go of his tomorrows. But, he, but we see in the scriptures how the resurrected Jesus came to, to Peter. He appeared to Peter. He restored Peter, gave him faith and confidence to move forward into new tomorrows. And you could say he, he gave him resurrection tomorrows. There is resurrection tomorrows. There's new opportunities in each of our future, just as sure as the sun will rise tomorrow. And maybe you have an opportunity that you think of that you let, let, that you let pass by. It's, it's possible. We all have opportunities that we let pass by. And it's possible to get stuck in regrets, to get stuck in the past saying, if, if only I hadn't let that opportunity pass me by. Well, it's not rocket science, I know. But can I tell you, what happened in the past is the past. It's history. It'll never be repeated. You can't go back and change it. So let's move forward with Christ. Let's move forward with God. The same Jesus who came to Peter to restore him, he let three opportunities pass him by, but he was restored in Christ Jesus, and he went into new tomorrows, believing he could make a difference in the world that he lived. You see, if the sun rises tomorrow, it means there's new mercy, new grace, and new favor prepared for you. The scripture says, my mercy is new every morning. His mercy is new every morning. And so if the sun will rise tomorrow, and we know it will, if the sun will rise tomorrow, it means there's mercy, there's grace, and there is favor prepared for you. We all have if-onlys. If only I had have said that differently or had not said that, whatever we said. If only I hadn't made that mistake. If only I had taken that opportunity. We all have if only's in our lives. We all have them. But, but, but when we begin to see that in Christ, there's new, just as sure as the sun will rise tomorrow, there's new mercy, favor, and grace, we can leave the past behind and move into our tomorrows with confident, confidence and faith. At some point, we have to shut the, shut the door on the past. I love, in the scriptures, David, famous King David. You know, he had some big if only's. He, he committed adultery with Bathsheba. He had her husband killed as a result to, to, to cover over his failures. And, and, then, and then Bathsheba got pregnant and the child got sick. The scriptures say Day, King David, he went into a time of fasting and prayer and, and uh, uh, just a time of calling out to God for the, child to, for the child to be saved. But the scriptures say that the child died. You know, something interesting happened after the child died. David refreshed himself, cleaned himself up, and went on with his life. And people around him said, King David, why? You, were so, you were so, you know, you were fasting and prayer and so almost despondent in a way, crying out to God when, when the baby was sick. Now it's died. It seems like things have gotten worse. But David, David I, I don't, I'm paraphrasing, but he basically said, you know, that's, that's over now. 
Now I'm moving into tomorrow with God. I believe God's a good God, and I'm, be- I'm moving forward with Him. Again, we all have if-onlys, but if-only was yesterday. Now God's saying, hold on to tomorrow. Mer- new mercy, new grace, new favor. And I know there's people watching right now. You, you have if-onlys, and those if-onlys are causing you to stay stuck in the past, not holding on to tomorrow, not holding on to that belief that you have a significant role to play in the world that you live in your own way. You have people around you you've been called to influence and and situations you've been called to change. Let's not get stuck in the if-onlys. Take a moment right now and just say, I receive your mercy. God, I receive your grace, and I receive your favor. It just takes a moment, and there's a, a refreshness that sweeps over your soul. You see, if the sun will rise tomorrow, it means that yesterday is history. If the sun rises tomorrow, it means yesterday is history. Listen, we all need to reflect on what's happened. We need to reflect on the past. We need to learn from history. We can learn lots of things, but we must never get stuck in yesterday. Yesterday is yesterday. It will never be repeated again. And it's important at some point, we must put the past in its proper place. Shut the door and throw away the key. The past is the past. We can learn from it. But you know the great Apostle Paul in the Scriptures... He had many regrets. He, he, had, he had people murdered. He had a lot of regrets. But there's a point in the Scripture where he says, I forget those things that are behind me. I forget them. And I move on toward the mark of the high call of Jesus Christ. He says, I have regret. We all have regrets. But let's be like Paul and say, I'm, for, I'm choosing to forget it now. And I'm moving on with Christ. The sun will rise tomorrow. There's new mercy, grace, and favor. Yesterday is the history. I can't change it. I'm moving forward. And I think in the scriptures, in the Hebrew scriptures, there's a story, famous story of the Hebrew people. They got stuck in so many if-onlys and so many regrets. In fact, they spent 40 years in if-onlys, 40 years in regrets, just going around and around and around and around. I love what it says in Joshua 3 and 5. God wants to move them forward. He wants to move them into a new tomorrow. The scripture says in Joshua 3, 5, Joshua said to the people, sanctify yourselves, for tomorrow the Lord will do wonders among you. Sanctify yourself. That word sanctified, it means to be, to set apart, to set apart for a special purpose. And in context, I'm teaching today to be set apart from the past. The past is the past. Yes, we can learn, but we have to shut the door on the past and move forward with God's new mercy, grace, and favor. So it's to be set apart. And Joshua says, you've been wandering for 40 years in the what-ifs. Yes, you let the opportunity pass you by. You should have set foot into the promised land, but you didn't. So set set yourself apart from the regrets and the what-if-onlys and move forward because God says, I'll do wonders among you. He's speaking that to us today. You see, well, how do I be set apart today? We set ourselves apart to a Savior, Christ Jesus, who said, Come unto me, you who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon, me, upon you. My yoke is easy and my burden is light. We set ourselves, apart to, ourselves aside apart to a Savior who's kind, compassionate, gracious, and who believes in you. He believes in you enough to stamp his own image in you. And, he's, and what we are to do today is to set ourselves aside to him, 
to set aside the condemnation and guilt. In other words, to sanctify ourselves, set ourselves apart to a Savior and receive His mercy, receive His grace, to rest in Him and to move forward into the wonders that God has prepared for our tomorrows. And I think again of King David, the same King David who had a lot of if-onlys, adultery with Bathsheba, killing her husband, losing a child. But David said, God... Your gentleness and your goodness have made me great. You see, when he received mercy, grace, and favor, shutting the door on yesterday but moving forward into the wonders that God had prepared for him, he said, and he acknowledged, that is the reason why I'm able to do great things. That's the reason why I'm able to move forward into tomorrow, holding on despite the setbacks and the if-onlys. I'm able to move forward and take hold of what God has planned. In other words, God's best plan for his life. Do you know that God has a best plan for your life? You have been called to make a difference in the world that you live. You have a significant, every person has a significant role and a significant place in the kingdom of God and in the life of those around us. Number one, why hold on to tomorrow? The sun will rise tomorrow. Number two, God has given you a mission. God has given you and me, but you, all of us, a mission, a reason for advancing, a reason for holding on to tomorrow. First Timothy chapter four, the scripture says, Paul says to Timothy, but I think he's talking to each of us, do not neglect the gift. Do you know that you've been given a gift by God? Every person has been given a gift. He wouldn't have stamped his image on you if he wasn't going to give you a gift. He gave you a gift. You have a talent, you have something to contribute, something of great value. Nobody is just a something. You're not just anything. You're not just a carpenter. You're not just a, a volunteer. You're not just a parent. You're, no one's just anything. God has given a gift to every person, and He has given it for a reason, for a mission. I love what the scripture says, 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 5. You also, speaking to all of us as living stones, are being built up as a spiritual house for a holy priesthood to offer up spiritual sacrifices that are acceptable to God through Christ Jesus. But you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for God's own possession so that you might proclaim. Other translations say display. The excellencies of him, Christ Jesus, who has called you out of darkness into his marvelous light for you who are once, for you who are not a people, but you are now the people of God. Oh, that is so beautiful. And we see that we have been called to a purpose and to a mission personally, but also collectively. Collectively speaks of the, the church. We have been collectively chosen and called and placed to display the excellencies of Christ Jesus. And I was, I was listening to Pastor Peter on a TV program early, uh, I think this week it was, and he said, and I quote, I put it on screen, every believer plays a decisive role in the struggle for the hearts, minds, and souls of people. I love the first part, every believer. You and I, we have been given a, a, an important mission a mission to, and it's a decisive role, a decisive mission in the struggle for hearts and minds. It speaks of the Great Commission. Mission is so important. 
I put it this way, mission fills our lives with meaning and purpose. Mission fills our lives with meaning and purpose. You know, throughout history, including today, people have been able to endure great hardships because of a commitment to a mission, to a purpose. The human spirit, it has been said, it hungers for a mission and a purpose greater than itself. The human spirit hungers for mission. Every person, Viktor Frankl, a Holocaust survivor, he went on to be a world-renowned psychologist, but he said in, that, in those concentration camps, he found that those who hung on to a purpose and a mission, they were able to survive the horrors of those camps longer than those who gave up a purpose and a will, for a mission for living. And in that moment, the mission and purpose was just to live. But beyond that, then he found meaning in having, finding mission in helping others and a purpose in helping others overcome the challenges and the difficulties that they face. You see, we discover mission transcends circumstances. Circumstances happen. Jesus even said you're going to have some negative ones. But mission is so important because mission and purpose, it transcends the circumstances that we face and it gives meaning to life. Viktor Frankl also said that many people lack meaning in life. It's tied to mission and purpose. Jesus on the cross, he endured hardship, the scripture says. It says he endured the tortures of the cross for the joy that was set before him. He had mission. He had purpose. He saw the reason why he was enduring the hardships that he was in. And I put it this way. God's mission gives us something positive and worthwhile to commit to. God's mission is so important in our lives. And it gives us something positive to commit our lives to. Commitment is not a four-letter word. Commitment's a beautiful word, and I recognize that there are ditches to everything. There's ditches to commitment. One ditch to the word commitment, in religious teaching at least, is that we have to be very committed for God to be pleased with us. And, and it just, in that type of teaching vernacular, there's never enough commitment that would ever make God pleased. Let me tell you, there's nothing you can do, no commitment in the world you can do to make God love you anymore. Let that be settled once and for all. That is a ditch when it comes to commitment. You can't earn God's favor. Uh, he is committed to you. But, so that's one ditch. But then there's another ditch, and that, and that ditch, it, 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 it negates the benefit of commitment in the name of liberty. And yes, in Christ, we have, been, we have all liberty, but we can never negate the benefits of a true and proper commitment. You see, Paul said, don't use your liberty to indulge the flesh. And you, the, re the reality is a commitment to God's mission for our lives. It releases energy. It releases, uh, 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 I'm trying to look for another word than energy, but it releases joy. It releases meaning, but it releases an energy and, uh, in our lives. Many people are lacking energy. They're lacking motivation. What's missing is mission. What's missing is, is purpose. You see, that's why I love the church and the local church, in fact. Yes, the local church, number one, provides community. And we've seen that over the past year, how, uh, you know, being separated, the value of community, a spiritual community. And, and we've worked hard online to provide community. And, and in reopening now, we are working again hard to provide community. You'll see changes even in the lobby to facilitate more community, more fellowship uh, on Sundays. That's one thing. Another thing is experience. A church provides uh, experience and experience. 
experience. By experience, I mean with the Word, through teaching that exalts Christ. Experience, but all, not just teaching, but also times of experiencing the Holy Spirit, the baptism of the Holy Spirit, and, and signs, wonders, and miracles. And that's another important reality of the church. But thirdly is mission. A personal mission, and we, we fulfill that through getting involved in the church community, getting involved serving and helping others, using our gifts, but also mission that is a corporate mission, a mission that's bigger than ourselves, a mission that, and that's why every Sunday we talk about things that this church is doing around the globe, and in, here in Toronto, uh, you see the missions outreaches and the, the different things we're involved in. We need this, a commitment to these types of missions give us purpose and give us meaning. Commitment, not a bad thing. Commitment's a beautiful thing that releases God's energy in our lives. And God has given each one of us a mission. And I put it this way, God's mission transforms our lives. God's mission, a commitment, I should say, to God's mission transforms our future and shapes our personality. A commitment to God's mission transforms our future and it shapes our our personality. You know, I'm a walking, you could say a walking billboard for this, this last statement right there. Commitment transforms our future. You know, if I, fast, if I rewind about 25 years ago, before I was filled with the Spirit, and made a commitment to God's mission for my life, I was an unfocused, undisciplined individual. But a commitment to God's mission for my life. He started it. He filled me with the Spirit. It was His. He was the first mover. He, was, he made a commitment to me. But in responding to that and committing back to the mission, I tell you, it's transformed my life. It's given me a discipline. It's given me a focus. I couldn't let go of the mission now because I, I wonder what would become of me, becoming unfocused and undisciplined. And, and I don't do it to please God. I know I'm pleasing God, whether I'm pleasing to God, no matter what I do. But I value that commitment and I value the fruit of it, the discipline and the, and, and the focus. And I recognize, you know, even Paul said in the scripture, I discipline my body for the preaching of the gospel. You see, he said, I discipline myself. It's a va We don't do it to please God, but when we recognize the value in it. You know, they did a, an exercise, a study on children. And this is to highlight the value of a commitment and, and, and the, the, the disciplines that come in with it. They did a study on children. They, there was this group of people, they thought that children on a playground were being restricted by a fence around the playground. So they thought if they remove the fence from the playground, the, people, the children will feel more free and they'll enjoy themselves more. So they removed the fence. Do you know what they found? They found that the children were more fearful. They were inhibited. They weren't free to enjoy themselves. So they put the fence back up, and the children started enjoying themselves more freely. And there's excesses to it. There's abusive type of control. I'm not talking about abusive. I'm not talking about that legalistic type of thinking that God... I'm just talking about healthy restrictions we put, disciplines we put. The children became more free in the same way. When it's a positive commitment to God's mission for our lives, not then out of coercion or guilt or, or, or condemnation, but a positive response, there is a joy, there is an energy, that is released. You see, that's why we as a church family, we ask us all to make commitments. And it's a beautiful thing. I think of this church, this church family, we've committed to doubling our missions giving in 2021. And we've started by faith already. That's a commitment and it's a beautiful thing. And we've asked every member to make a commitment to a resurrection seed offering uh, this resurrection Sunday, April the 4th. And I think that's a beautiful thing. That's easy. We're not a... It's not a, 
we're, not, we're bold to ask for commitments because we see the value in it. There is value in committing ourselves to God's mission and purpose for our lives. You say, but Nathan, what if I make a commitment and I fail? Well, go back to first, the first part of my message today. The sun, just as sure as the sun will rise tomorrow. There's new mercy, there's new grace, and there's new favor. There's forgiveness. So, so be bold in making a commitment to God. Be bold to making a commitment to His positive missions and purposes for our lives. If we stumble, He'll pick us up again. If the righteous fall seven times, He'll keep, he'll keep pulling you back up. So be bold and be confident in that. And so we as a church family, we boldly take on the commitments that God has challenged us. And may we be even bolder. Amen. You see, I can tell you this. Change is certain. I can't tell you what tomorrow will hold. In fact, I, I think one thing that is certain, tomorrow will be different than today. But we can hold on to tomorrow. It's been said, I'm not sure what tomorrow holds, but I know who holds tomorrow. And that famous song, Because He Lives, we live also. That's the message of Easter when Jesus rose from the dead. Because He lives, we live also. And we can boldly face tomorrow when problems come. We recognize that the Spirit of Christ within us rises up and helps us to solve and overcome the problems. We are more than conquerors in Christ Jesus. Jesus gives vision. He gives mission. He gives purpose. The sun will rise tomorrow. Mercy, grace, and favor. Yes. Yesterday is history. Put it in its past. And God has given us a mission. And He given us a purpose to move forward. You have a purpose. We as a church have a purpose. And we are moving boldly into tomorrow. In a moment I'm going to pray, but can I just for a moment say this? So many times religious teaching makes, makes much of us making a commitment to God. And I want to reiterate this just for a moment. You know that the message of the gospel, the message of Easter, the message of Jesus is that He made a commitment to us. He saw us in our brokenness. He saw us in our mess. And He committed Himself to restore us, to forgive us, and to rescue us out of that broken place. And maybe that's how you feel today. But can I tell you, God came in human flesh in the form of Jesus Christ. He came, He came to rescue us, He came to lift us, He came to heal our brokenness. You say, well, how do I receive that, Nathan? We receive that by acknowledging He lived and by receiving His forgiveness. And I believe that His Spirit is reaching out to you today. Some call it divine impulses, but we have a Spirit. And the Spirit of Christ is reaching out to you. It, sometimes it feels like a nudge, it can feel like... But, but the main point is he's saying, I want to restore you. I want to heal you. I want to give you, a, 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 we call it a new heart, a new creation. 